someone once told me time is a flat circle. If everything we've ever done or will do, we're gonna do over and over and over again. Hello, I'm Kelly. Hey, I'm Michael. We're brother and sister, self-proclaimed armchair detectives. I'm personally planning to crush fantasy football this year. And we're your hosts for the Flat Circle Podcast. A young New Hampshire college student with a competitive drive goes missing mysteriously one night in February of 2004, never to return. Police and detectives find evidence of a car crash that might have involved alcohol, yet no sign of the young woman anywhere. Join us for this week's episode of the Flat Circle Podcast as we discuss the mysterious case of the missing Maura Murray. Maura Murray was born on May 4th, 1982 in Brockton, Massachusetts. She was the youngest child of Fred and Lori Murray. When Maura was six years old, her parents got divorced. However, she came from a loving and strong family nonetheless. Her older brothers and sisters guided her along in life, giving her support when she needed it, and were always there for her. Maura was a natural athlete. She participated in any sport she could, including basketball and track. And this allowed her to travel and compete all over New England. She was highly competitive in sports as well as academics. In 1998, as a sophomore in high school, she finished 33rd in the country in the U.S. National Scholastic Outdoor Championships in the two-mile. Maura graduated at the top of her class at Whitman Hanson Regional High School and had her pick of several top-tier schools. She had been offered several scholarships for her academic and athletic achievements, but ultimately she had decided on accepting a congressional nomination from her and late Senator Edward Kennedy to attend United States Military Academy at West Point. After a couple of years at West Point, Maura discovered that the military wasn't for her. So she transferred out of West Point to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst to pursue a career in nursing. And this follows in her mom's footsteps as Lori Murray was a nurse. But also this follows in her father's footsteps as well because Fred was a medical tech. To this point, Maura appears to have had a happy life and promising future, right? But on the morning of February 9th, 2004, Maura handed in her assignments and wrote a letter to all her professors to let them know that she had to leave because of a death in the family, so she was going to be absent from school the following week. However, no such death in the family had occurred. Maura, determined to take a week off to clear her mind, packed a week's worth of clothes and grabbed any toiletries as well as any other essentials that she would need. In addition to packing, she placed a call to the owner of a condominium in Bartlett, New Hampshire. And in the past, she had loved this place as she spent a lot of time there. It was the perfect place for her to get away. At 3.15, Maura stopped at a nearby ATM to withdraw most of the money in her account. She had $280 in cash on her. And then she stopped at a liquor store near the ATM to purchase $40 worth of alcohol. She left Amherst, Massachusetts around 4.30 that afternoon, driving her 1996 Saturn. Other than mentioning to her professors that she wouldn't be around the following week, Maura didn't tell a single soul where she was going. 
then later on in the evening at approximately 7.27 p.m. in Haverhill, New Hampshire, a local woman by the name of Faith Westman called the police to report a single car accident near her home off of Route 112. The car was in the ditch and the young woman driving the car needed assistance getting it out of the ditch. Though Faith Westman was the first to call the police, she wasn't the first to offer help to Maura Murray after the accident. A bus driver by the name of Butch Atwood drove by and offered to help. Butch actually lived nearby here, but Maura declined his offer and told him that she had already called AAA and that they were on their way. Here's the thing, though. There was no cell phone reception in that area. Butch Atwood knew that to be a fact because he lived nearby. So he drove home, which was only a short distance of between 75 and 100 yards from the accident and... Then he also called the police. He said that the young woman seemed distraught and shaken up, but that there were no visible injuries. When the officer got to the scene at approximately 7.46 p.m., he noticed that Maura Murray was gone. She was nowhere to be seen. It seemed that she left her car behind and locked all the doors. Now, in the back seat, the officer noticed boxed wine behind the driver's seat and a rag in the tailpipe of her car. Later on... The officer learned that Morris' father, Fred, advised her to put the rag in the tailpipe so as to quiet the muffler and not attract the police. The officer asked the bus driver to help search for Mora in the surrounding areas. So they searched the scene of the accident as well as any of the roads around the accident and around French the French Pond location. A state trooper and eight nearby firefighters also showed up to join the search. The bus driver who we mentioned before as Butch Atwood, was the last person to actually see Maura Murray alive, and she hasn't been seen since. There has been no trace of activity on her cell phone, bank accounts, etc. 21-year-old Maura Murray disappeared that day, seemingly never to return. This is such an interesting case. Uh, I'm so glad that you turned me on to it because... Well, it's a famous I mean, case. Yeah, on the, well, and I didn't even know that. Like, I have not even heard of this, but wow, what a head-scratcher, hey? I mean, it, it has similarities to the Bryce LaPisa case yes, that, we, that we said in one of our first episodes. Maura Murray is kind of the female version of Bryce LaPisa, but I don't think she was depressed. I don't think she had any of those signs. But they, like, no, nonetheless, this is a famous case, and people can't understand why she went missing to this day. So the things that strike me right off the ca- right off the bat about this case is just everybody has been obsessed with it, of course. But Julie Murray, uh, which would be Maura's younger sister, is she's kind of been the forefront of the, of talking to the media and anybody. I, I've, I've seen her be on um, talk shows. I've seen her uh, guest on uh, podcasts. Okay. And she said one thing about her sister is she did drink here and there, but she wasn't a big drinker. And the amount of alcohol or the wine that and the amount that she bought the $40 worth of liquor was totally unusual. Um, she thought that was so outside of Mora that that seemed like maybe she was traveling with somebody at the time. There is a good indication that she was traveling at the time. Now, at the time, her boyfriend, Bill Roush, um, who she met at West Point, uh, he was stationed in Oklahoma. So the police actually wanted to talk to him right away. And Murray actually planned to spend the following summer of 2004 with him. And she may already have known that he intended to propose, but at that time, when they tried to talk to Bill, Bill was fourth. I mean, to this day, Bill's remarried or Bill's married and has a wife and kids and what have you. But at the time of this of this happening, he was suspect number one. But it, they, the police kind of quickly ruled him out because he was in Oklahoma at the time. So one of the things that you had said was that she wasn't a big drinker, right? Right. There apparently something had happened at school. 
Like she had spoken to somebody at school or somebody had called her. Did you hear about that? Uh, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Somebody had called her and or something and it had to do with school and she was really upset. And this had happened on February 5th. Okay. And so it almost makes me think that maybe this is what I think. Okay. I'm going to come up with a theory already. Oh, <laughs> I, I love it. Get it. I, yeah. I got this figured out. So I think, first of all, that Maura Murray was not intending to leave the University of Massachusetts or anything like that. She told her professors that she would be gone exactly one week. She took some wine with her in a box. She took her study books and she took these insurance forms. So she was a woman on a mission. And what I think is that she wanted to take that week because Amora was a high achiever. Okay. This gal knew where she wanted to go in life. And even though West Point didn't work out for her and she was kind of like, well, the military isn't for me. She already had another next step and she was accepted at the University of Massachusetts. Okay. Now I'm coming to my point. I think that she was going to take a week away from school, but to focus on school. Like I think she was really stressed out about her classes and she just needed a week to kind of restudy herself to ground herself. And that's why she was going to go up to this cozy condo that she was familiar with. And so she had called that morning probably to make sure that it was open and that she could go there. So I think she went to get some some quiet time away from things. And I think either a local picked her up or somebody from out of town saw her and she got in the car and left with them never to be seen again. Yeah, the condo aspects of it, that makes a lot of sense, Kel, because her dad took her. She's been, She was there the year before. She's been there, you know, every once in a while. A lot of people said there was no point for her being in this area other than potentially to go to that place that she spent before and that she really enjoyed. So that that seems to be the only reason that she'd be in the area. Otherwise, it just wouldn't make any sense. Now, I actually do. I kind of agree with you on that, too, that I do think it was a local or somebody that was following her. Now, people are saying, well, did, um, they're probably saying, well, did they talk to this Butch guy, Butch Atwood, the, the that bus driver? That also did cross my mind. I'm not going to lie. That did okay. cross my mind. So a lot of people thought this as well. And people said that there was a smell from uh, Butch's house in the mm. days following, but he was having a lot of work done in his basement. He was actually putting in a new floor, right? Okay, and now you're seeing where I'm getting with this. Uh -huh. Well, police police actually did bring cadaver dogs down there, and they tore up that dude's floor, okay. and they didn't find shit. So uh, uh, Butch was kind of ruled out early on. They searched the woods in that area. Police used cadaver dogs to the surrounding areas of the accident, dredged the nearby ponds, and even the FBI got involved. And to this day, I mean, Butch has been ruled out and a lot of the neighbors nearby. I mean, everybody's been heavily questioned and they have been ruled out as well. No one can understand why she left her car. Now, the only reason I think she left it. So when she got into the accident, a lot of people thought maybe she was under the influence of alcohol. And the reason why she wasn't there when the cops got there is because she got scared. She took off. Because oh. she doesn't want to get a Dewey. She doesn't want to get a Dewey. She doesn't want to get a DUI. Yeah. So basically, they maybe she ran into the woods. But the thing is, the police didn't see any tracks going into the woods. So my theory is that she was scared. She got the fuck out of there because she didn't want to get busted for a DUI. And she she got picked up along the way. That's what I think happened. She went down the road by the police time the police got there. Somebody already picked her up. And that's what I think happened. Hmm, I could see that, too. But some people really legitimately think that Butch Atwood had something to do with it, right? 
Yeah. And early on, I thought Butch had something to do with it, too. I'm like, check this fucking bus driver, man. But then reading <laughs> the police reports more and the police did come out that they did check his house. They did check in the basement. Um, There's actually new owners, I believe, at that house now. And they let him tear up that floor. And there's nothing under that new cement. Um, There's no signs of any... Con- the cadaver dogs picked up nothing there. So Butch has kind of been ruled out. I wonder how street smart she was. Like, for example, because one of the things that Butch Atwood said that kind of made me think, well, maybe it was this guy that did it, um, is he said something like, oh, well, maybe she went with somebody else more clean cut. So it was almost like he was saying like, oh, I'm, I'm not attractive. She would have never gone with me. But I mean, what if she wasn't street smart? Like, what if she was incredibly book smart, incredibly competitive and just sort of believed the good in everybody maybe she did go with this dude and maybe he killed her and maybe then he was like okay guys gotta put a new basement in whatever but then they dug there and she wasn't there anymore but what if he decided to move her like at last minute thinking it was too risky and then there was a revival of this case so people must this is 2014 must have been when the case blew up hey like 10 years later and everybody was talking about it because I saw that they had a lot of people they they had an article about the internet sleuth solving the crime and then someone else had found or they thought they had found her backpack or something in the middle of the woods. But I don't know if they ever, you know, validated that. No, I, I didn't hear anything about a backpack. I mean, they really haven't found anything other than what was in her car. Um, the damning stuff is that, I mean, she it looked like she was alone when she went to the ATM um, to pick out the money. And I think a lot of uh, people are wondering if maybe somebody was with her. As to why she, why would you get that much alcohol? You know what I mean? Why would you get that much booze? Bill Rouse said that family members were told by at least one person living near the accident site that a man was seen in Mara's car after the accident. Well, there, there was. Some people said that that Maura Murray actually was was with somebody. Um, uh, when a passerby's uh, cars that passed her by on that road. Uh, that 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 turn there. They said that they thought they saw somebody on a cell phone in there as well, um, but that hasn't <laughs> been a hundred percent confirmed. It was dark when all this happened, so yeah, that's something that to this day they're still trying to figure out. And then there's only one more part of this story that I don't know. It kind of it could be a coincidence or it could not be. And this would be the calling card phone call. So Bill Roush had said that he he heard what he thought was whimpering and crying when somebody had called him. He heard whimpering and crying on the phone. But when they traced the call, they traced it back to like the American Red Cross officials who had been trying to contact Bill Roush probably to donate blood or money or something. And so there was this mysterious phone call that at first they thought could be her, but then it it didn't turn out to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot. I mean, some people were even saying that they saw her hitchhiking, but that's not confirmed either. Some people said that, you know how people are. They want to be a part of the case. So they're going to try to get as much as possible. Some said that they she was trying to like go. She was just trying to leave her life. I, I really do think her getting into an accident and bailing was because she was drinking. And I think that is speaks a lot. You know, yeah. I, I think some people think that she ran into the woods and that she died of exposure, what is very likely maybe she was hiding in the woods from the cops. But 
Um, and, and, and searches really never went on until the next day. Um, I mean, they even like towed her vehicle out of there and did everything. And people thought maybe she was hiding out in the woods. They towed her vehicle and she had nowhere else to go. But, but as something tells I mean, she would have the sense, unless she was like hammered fucking drunk. I feel like she'd have the sense not to hide in the woods in the fucking winter. You know? Well, what if she wasn't drinking, though? Did they confirm whether that wine had been broken into? Well, she bought other alcohol other than just wine. Oh, that's right. She bought schnapps, I think, and she bought a bunch of other stuff. And there was like a bottle that was used in the back seat, but it looked like it was older. People think, and she had those little jiggers, those little, those little ones too. So she had a lot oh, of alcohol. Wow. It was more than just wine um, that they found in the vehicle. And it was more than what she bought. She bought $40 worth of alcohol, which is kind of a lot of alcohol when you think about it. It is, unless she was thinking she might want a little schnapps or she might want a little this or that while she was studying and, and working. Oh. Oh, I mean, totally. It's entirely possible, of course, that she could have just wanted, you know, maybe whatever she had heard, maybe that phone call from, you know, that she received at the University of Massachusetts that kind of had her in tears where her supervisor had to take her home because she was right. so upset. So maybe there was something in that phone call that yeah. really just kind of drove drove her to drink. But I just think she was a young woman who, you know, she was, she was a wealthy American person, essentially, right? She was a wealthy American person and I feel like even if she had been drinking and so maybe she was the good girl so she was like oh shit I don't want to you know maybe she did hide from the police but I feel like she would have tried to get her way out of there but maybe she was just a little creeped out by that guy you know by Butch maybe she was like yeah I need to find a ride with someone but definitely not that guy yeah, it could have been that. Um, it's also, we should also note that Lindsay Pemberton, uh, she was also a junior nursing uh, student at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Was, she was actually an acquaintance of Mora's. And she said that Mora's dorm room was all packed up like she was ready to move out. So that's another thing that I can't quite understand is like, why Why did it look like that? Why was she trying to leave? Um, maybe she was not wanting to stay in school in, in a dorm anymore. I mean, there is, there is that possibility. Maybe she was fighting with somebody. Like, I don't know if she had a roommate or her room doer herself yeah. maybe she and her roommate weren't getting along and she was like skip this i'm gonna get a new room and, and then also amora was supposed to call her father the night of the ninth to help yep. to have him help her with fill out some insurance forms so and those forms according to uh, bill roush your boyfriend at the time were found in mora's car along with school books clothing expensive jewelry and now the insurance forms and, and the school books indicated to uh, roush to bill that murray was going to return to massachusetts and the university and she was planning to study while she was away so yeah that does that could possibly mean something. And then in one of her texts to Bill, um, she said, I love you more, Stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking much. I promised to call you today, though. I love you, Mora. I mean, she... So we can only we can rule out suicide. We can rule out she was trying to escape her life because I, she there were everything was indicating that she was going to return. Oh, yeah. It, you know, we can always... We can rule all that stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she wasn't giving away her possessions. She took stuff with her, mm -hmm. expensive jewelry, clothing for a week. She took money out of the machine. Like she was a lady that was basically planning to live off the grid for a whole week. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe she needed to get grounded again and, and get focused again. Maybe whatever that phone call was really upset her. And she just kind of needed to put pieces back together again. I mean, I guess we'll, it seems like we'll never know, but I hope we get to know the whole story from Maura herself someday. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, one thing to note, too, Bill, um, Mora's boyfriend, said that Mora knew her vehicle wasn't in the best conditions to take on winding roads or to even take that distance up into New Hampshire. So that was very interesting, too, that she just took her car. Now, I mean, she was young, right? So 
Yeah. Young people take risks all the time. Maybe she thought it was good enough. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily think that's weird, but I I do think it's weird that everything was packed up. Everything like she was just going somewhere for a while. And I think she was just going to take some more time. And I just think, you know, a woman that's alone. And I think someone preyed on her. Yeah, and, I do um, too. I mean, I mean, it could have been Butch. I really can't. I really can't really cross this guy off my list. I just have a feeling. But if not Butch, it was definitely someone who I think took off with her. And I think malicious stuff happened because a lady like Maura Murray, a young lady. I mean, she had everything in life going for her. Yeah, there's no way she was going to dip out on that. No, I don't think it was to dip out. I mean, like I just said a little bit ago, she she had yeah. plans to return. I mean, from the insurance forms to, I mean, she ain't going to bail with little money that exactly. she had. I mean, she had under $500 total. I mean, it was just, she didn't really have much to her name and she took everything with her. So it just seemed like she was going to get away to that place, that condo, that uh, hotel that she really liked. And that was the only reason her family thinks that she was in the area. There was no other reason why. Back in February 28 of 2004, uh, relatives of Maura Murray have found uh, what may be a clue in her disappearance. Kathleen Murray found a pair of white women's underwear lying on the snow near uh, French Pond Road in Haverville. Like I said, people are finding shit like that all the time. I've heard of a bra was out there. I heard a purse, but nothing has been linked back to Mora. And I think the police are holding a lot of anything they found. Whether they did find anything at the site, I think they're holding a lot of that under wraps because this is like we've seen in all these cases, Kelly. I mean, the police are always going to have something that they hold from people that they don't want out in the public because it's part of their case. So I think it's sad because this happened in what 04 i mean by you know in a few years that's going to be like 20 years since she's been gone i mean yeah that's that's a long time and they have um 10 year they had a 10 year memorial for her i believe they had a 20 year and i think that they do try to keep her in the memory because they they're still her parents and her family are still looking for her they still you know they haven't gotten the closure that they want that they need understandably and they're still looking for that for sure to this day yeah and to this and there is a reward fund for any uh from uh from maura murray and right now it's around thirty thousand dollars the spot that she disappeared from the people wanted to name that like maura's corner they wanted to like put a marker there but Morris family re- refused. To, they don't want something negative out of this. Oh, you know? I can understand because that. Because it was an, a- I mean, I can understand that, right? Yeah. I mean, she yeah. had an accident there and she disappeared there. So I don't think I'd want to memorialize that either. Me either. But and plus that wasn't her. Like she wasn't the corner. I mean, maybe she died there, but that wasn't, you know, her life was so much bigger than a corner and a road. Yeah, know? exactly. And I, and I think they're just giving, you know, a lot of them. Now, if you ask your sister, sister, has hope that she's alive, but I think she's leaning. I heard her on the True Crime Garage podcast, which is a very good podcast, and and they say, um, and her sister said on that podcast, she, you know, it's uh, she probably knows that she's gone, but the father still has a lot of hope. Fred has a lot of hope, and Fred still thinks his daughter is alive and being held against her will, or maybe possibly started a new life. So, I mean, it's a desperate, it's desperate. You know, the family's desperate, and I, if if my sister, brother, mom, dad, if anybody disappeared, I would want to hold out hope that they're alive too until a body's shown. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the most um what i read was one of the most frustrating things for the family is that the fbi did actually get involved but since it's not in their jurisdiction they really can't do a lot right now because she's coined as a missing persons case and they don't have any evidence 
like concrete evidence anyway that would say that she's anything other than safely missing somewhere soon to be found someday but i know that the parents were like well if the police would just mark it a certain way that would open up the field for it to be the fbi's jurisdiction and then they can start tracking her down so that was one thing that i thought man that's got to be really frustrating for that family Oh, it has to be 100%. You know, Fred Murray back in 05 petitioned the New Hampshire governor, Craig Benson at the time, uh, for help in the search. And, you know, Fred appeared on numerous talk shows and tried to publicize the case. That's why this case has been so big over the years. Um, He's even met with the new governor, John Lynch. And also Fred has filed suit against law enforcement agencies because he believes they're not pushing this case forward. And it's hard, man. It's really hard. And there's all these other clues that keep popping up that people are coming forth with. But you know, the family are hearing it from other people and not hearing it from the police. Um, there was other searches in 2006 and 2010. The thing is, you know, in these missing person cases, you can always hear credible people have had credible sightings like you, Bryce LaPisa. I mean, you're to this day, there's still Bryce LaPisa uh, sightings. I mean, there's always but you don't hear that with Maura Murray. You don't hear any credible sightings from since she disappeared. It's like she just vanished in the thin air and nothing has ever happened. You know, no one knows what ever happened to her. Except I think that's one person. Yeah. Well, or many. I mean, we don't know, but I, I think it's very, it's very fucking sad that very sad. she just disappeared in thin air. And now, you know, the only person, you know, that she's just gone and we may never know what happened to her. But, you know, that's why I love doing this kind of podcast for these kind of cases, kind of bring light to it, because I think somebody like Maura Murray should be talked about more. And it's a case that's very scary. It's it could happen to anybody. Okay. You're there one minute, gone the next. And in her case, something happened to her on that road that night. And I believe I do believe alcohol was involved. Uh, the rag and the tailpipe early on, it came out a long time later that the rag and the tailpipe people were like, oh, my God, someone put that rag in the tailpipe to sabotage her vehicle to get her to stop to take her from her vehicle. But then Fred said, like we read earlier, um, like we were telling earlier in our podcast that in our episode that Fred told her to put that in there. So the police you know, because so the police didn't, you know, didn't warn police or whatever. So there wouldn't be tons of smoke and whatever, because she did crash into a ditch. So there are things that are just weird about this case and things that were practical. But, you know, I mean, since 04, I mean, I graduated high school, like around this time and it was like, she was gone. So she's been gone for a long time now. 17 years. Yeah. So Maura Murray stands at five feet, seven inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. If you have any information on Maura Murray at all, please contact the New Hampshire State Police toll-free at 1-800-525-5555 or the Haverville Police Department at 603-787-2222. Reach out. We love hearing from you guys. You can hit us up on social media at Flat Circle Podcast. This is for Facebook and Instagram. Or send us an email to flatcirclepodcast1 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We are grateful for you all. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We hope that you will join us for future episodes. Until next time, stay kind, stay curious, and always question the world around you. See you next week. 